What is up, freaks? Welcome back to Tales from the Crypt. It's your boy, Marty Bent. Here in a studio on the left coast in the beautiful city of San Francisco. It's a cool city. First time I was here, I got uh, I got robbed. Haven't been robbed yet since I've been here. Um, but this is yet another episode of Rabbit Hole Recap. We're recording remotely. Matt, how the hell are you doing in Brooklyn? Hey, Marty. Why, why are you in San Francisco? Oh, I've got uh, got some people to meet. Uh, interviewing Jack tomorrow. Um, just wanted to check out. Get into some some nicer weather as well. The weather's beautiful here today. Oh yeah, you went over for the Walked weather. Around the city. I love it. Yeah. Um, before we hop into topics, this episode of Rabbit Hole Recap is brought to you by Honey Miner. You guys know the deal. Honey Miner is the best place to earn Bitcoin uh, with your with your extra computing power that you have laying around, any any extra hardware, any GPUs. Uh, Honey Miner is a software that you can use. Download it. Go to stackingsats.com. Again, that's stackingsats.com. That's our specific ref link. Uh, download Honey Miner today. Uh, if you got Linux, Windows, um, computers, the software is there for you. Mac is coming soon. Uh, go to stackingsats.com. All right, Matt, we got a lot to talk about this week. Uh, let's start off with something cool. Casa, uh, Casa, Casa Hoddle today announced a pretty cool suite of products. In particular, they're coming out with an iOS and an Android app uh, for their multi-sig solutions, and they have multi-tiered uh, levels of uh, sort of yearly plans that that users can interact with. That was one knock people had on them in the past is that their $10,000 multi-sig. Uh, sort of product and, and solution was it was a bit of a high price point i think they've heard the cries from the users and and they're they're making this multi-sig product uh available to the masses via lower pricing tier so there's three tiers there's a free tier for two or three multi-sig uh, uh eighteen hundred dollar tier correct eighteen hundred dollars there's four tiers free four free tiers, with the 10 me. basis points if you use it 300 300 a year 1800 a year and five thousand a year Correct. Um, and so, yes, and, and also, importantly, they're coming out with iOS and Android apps uh, through, through which you can access these multi-sig uh, schemes, and uh, which is huge for the UX of uh, sort of taking advantage of these multi-sig transactions. Uh, that's one thing I will say up to this point. Uh, people have not been taking advantage of multi-sig as much as they should, myself included. And part of the reason being that the UX around it is, is pretty piss poor, or you have to be, not piss poor, but you have to be pretty technically apt to make it happen, and, and Cost is working on making it easier. Um, Matt, what are your thoughts? Matt, you there? Yeah, exactly. And um, the so the thing is, so the way it works is you have your phone is one key. The app on your phone is one key. They hold one key, and then you have a hardware wallet that holds another key, so it's two of three. So you need two of those keys to spend it. And then they have the three of five plan, which starts at 1800 And then in that case, you add two more hardware wallets to the mix. You're correct. Um, one thing that you want to bring to people's attention is uh, just know if you're using the two of three and three of five, correct? No, if, if you're um, using the two solutions? of three... If you're using the two of three, two three, it's worse because it's it's uh, the app is closed source. 
um, and presumably you're just going to update it if you get an update too. So it's like, uh, in a worst case scenario, that key is is hot and they they have you know kind of they have access to it. So don't keep yeah. large amounts in the two of three. Uh, the three of five is immune to that you know to a degree because you have you have the hardware wallets they need one of the hardware wallets to be able to spend the money yeah and we're not saying that casa would ever uh try to pull pull an attack like this to trust don't verify situation no and they have a great team excuse me don't trust verify excuse me i messed that they they have a great team and and uh i i they just open source the casa node i assume they're going to open source you know uh the majority of the app if not the whole thing and uh i think they know it's a concern so we'll see if you see how they approach it going forward but for now don't you know don't yeah, use sh- the free product don't use it with lots of funds you know the two yeah. of three yeah and shout so shout out to uh jeremy jameson elena and team thank you for pushing the edge on the ux with multi-sig it's very important and pushing the ball a little bit further that's just what we got to do keep pushing a little bit I think it's a really big deal because, like, it, yeah, like you said, it makes multi sig completely user friendly, you know, because especially at the higher levels, they have customer support. They have like 24 7 customer support. So, like, that's fucking huge. Right. Yeah. This is a service I may be using in the future. Um, next topic Facebook coin. Can Facebook succeed where Bitcoin failed? What a fucking headline, man. Matt. Bitcoin failed, Matt. It's done. It's over. <laughs> Nathaniel Popper. It's, it's dead. dead. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, Facebook can't compete with Bitcoin. You know, they don't want to compete with Bitcoin, and they can't even if they wanted to, because, you know, they're going to they're gonna make it centralized. It's going to be censorable. It's, I, I doubt there's going to be any kind of privacy involved. You know, they're not a big privacy company. Uh, so probably no. just be a, like a stable coin, some token. Probably, uh, my guess is like it's going to be on like Stellar. But yeah. Do you think uh, Facebook can out Coinbase Coinbase in terms of Orwellian uh, snooping and uh, enablement of fascists? Well, I think like the big fear is not the stable coin. If they come out with a stable coin, like then whatever. It's like kind of a adoption driver for bitcoin it can only help i think but if they actually came out with like a a bitcoin a bitcoin wallet or like uh you know maybe with like ethereum and a couple other alts in it and then they used all the data they already had to then be to monetize the chain analysis portion of it like just use the wallet give the wallet to two billion people give them all a bunch of money and be like you can store your crypto here you know they could ins they, i I, I think they would definitely give Coinbase around. Coinbase, there wouldn't be, a, Facebook would be the e- most evil company in the space automatically. Yeah, I think you just shivered there a little bit. I saw you get a little freaked out thinking about using a Facebook wallet. Well, you know, I have this, I like almost deleted this tweet that I tweeted out uh, like a couple months ago where I was like, if Facebook was really smart, that's what they would do. Because that data, they can monetize the fuck out of that data. It's super easy to monetize. Yeah. Just send retailers straight to the people shopping out there all the yeah, time. Yeah, and imagine if, like, WhatsApp had a wallet, you know? Like, 
they instantly are already in everyone's pockets. They would become the dominant wallet in the space, like automatically. I think. Yeah, that would be a shame. Yeah, but it's possible. Could definitely happen. Yeah, I really hope it doesn't. As long, hopefully, they just do this this token. That's what I'm hoping for. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, no release date. No details on the uh, underlying mechanics of Facebook's coin. Uh, we'll keep you abreast of this situation as it unfolds. As you know, we always do here at the Rabbit Hole Recap. Uh, on to another blog from the New York Times. Uh, this one, much better, though. Uh, it was dropped in the op-ed section this Sunday, uh, titled uh, Bitcoin Saved My Family, about a man in Venezuela who was doing freelance work to uh, receive Bitcoin as payment. And uh, it was basically just a very good uh, human... Uh, human interest story in the New York Times uh, with a positive spin on Bitcoin for for a change in the mainstream. Matt, what are your thoughts? Um, it was just a really touching, nice firsthand experience, uh, told through told through his lens, and I really appreciated him sharing his experiences. Uh, you know, he talks about a lot of the the usefulness uh, that Bitcoin provides, whether that's uh, you know, remittances, getting money in and out of the country, uh, crossing the border with with money, and and the big one that I was uh, that I focused on was the the fact that he got that his brother got paid for freelance work online, like graphic design and stuff. And when you start thinking yeah. about that, like as we move to a more digital world. Like it starts getting really, I mean, for lack of better, like badass, but that you could be right. anywhere just in the able- world and just get paid pseudo anonymously. Maybe your employer doesn't even know your name or anything or where you live or any, anything like that. The kind of access yeah. that it gives is crazy. Just, what is it? The Mechanical Turk? You just do like a completely a non-Mechanical Turk-like system and you can pay out with Bitcoin. Oh, well, like Pretty Mechanical easy. Turk, though, is like brutal. You know, like that's yeah. that's like almost like click farm level, right? Like Mechanical Turk, like that's like Amazon. I'm not sure. I've, n- I've never used it. I've never used oh, it. I always thought it w- that was like. I thought it was like contracted jobs on the Internet. Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess I guess more like a Fiverr or something, right? Like where you're getting paid. Yeah, Fiverr's. Yeah, Fiverr's a better. Mechanical example. Turk, I think you get paid like cents. Like I don't know, it's, I think it's like really, but I'm not sure. I might be wrong. I might be misspeaking on that. But yeah, that's like a perfect example. I, yeah, no, and I could be wrong as well. But uh, back to the Venezuela angle too. There's another thing that you, we didn't have on the list. Um, but it's, I mean, obviously in Venezuela, it's helping citizens. Uh, as uh, evidenced by that op-ed in the New York Times this week, but it's also helping uh, the Maduro regime, which is starving uh, the con- not starving a lot of people in the country and causing this hyperinflationary uh, economy and the situation that Venezuela finds itself in. And it seems as though like what they're doing with the Petro, they're trying to goad people. It's like giving up their Bitcoin and, and goods for Petro. It seems as though the Maduro regime is trying to like hoard or collect a lot of Bitcoin. Yeah, or at least like individuals within the regime, right? Yeah, and there was there was something about having to register. Uh, yeah, minors. Yeah, um, there was something more particular this week. Uh, I forget, and I don't have access to the internet here, so I can't pull it up <laughs> right now. Um, but 
just be a be abreast of that as well. That's going on. It works for, works uh, for evil people and for good people. Bitcoin is amoral, as uh, you freaks that listen to my discussion with Monsieur Mamadov now. Oh, that was a great episode, um, by the way. Absolutely fired. Complete bull fuel. I just, well, yeah, I just wanted a, I, I just wanted a market buy afterwards. You know. Yeah, I, I ran into my my apartment, picked my wife up, spun her around, then, then bought some sats on, on the <laughs> stacking sats. Uh, um, started stacking sats. The other the other thing I wanted to highlight about the Venezuela article was he talked about crossing the border, and like okay, before Bitcoin, how the how the hell do you cross a border that's like a hostile border that's searching you and shit? I mean, that's my favorite quote about Bitcoin is. Like when I'm trying to describe it to new newcomers is like you can walk around the world naked with millions of dollars in your in your mind. Like the power to think that you can hold Bitcoin in a brain wallet, which uh, most people that are crossing borders probably aren't even doing. But even just like a seed phrase on a piece of paper, uh, you can you have a better chance of hiding than a bar of gold. Um, So being able to cross borders is huge, especially for people. Uh, stuck in these countries, countries like Venezuela. Yeah, you like bring like a couple books and you like write your seed in different pages. You know, like different word in different pages. Exactly. Or something like that. Yeah, and uh, no, and again, like that's I have had a lot of people come to aha moments describing it that way. Like you can walk across every border on earth naked with millions of dollars in your head. And nobody. It's would so know. fucking powerful. That's like it's that's crazy to me. So to have like. You know, a lot of us say stuff like this, but this is like a first-hand experience of this actually, you know, helping someone. That's pretty fucking cool. I mean, it's unfortunate right. that it's yeah. that it's happening, of course, but it's cool that that it helps. Yeah, it's the beauty of Bitcoin. It enables people uh, to have a chance to to preserve their wealth in in these trying times and well, in their trying times. Excuse me. Um, but again, it does come with a lot of risk. If you lose that piece of paper, you could use lose a lot of wealth. So if you're um, if you're sneaking Bitcoin across borders in that fashion, just be extra careful. I would argue, and I can't speak from experience. So well, you could have like it's just a, like a Casa Hodl three of five setup, and yeah, I actually can speak from experience. You could sneak across actually, two actually, treasures, you know, and leave one treasure at home. Sneak across, like leave one treasure at home with like a cousin or something, then you sneak across with two, and then you could use Casa's third key to access your funds when you get across. And then you don't even have to risk True. losing it. But I would argue even like a treasure would be a little too risky crossing borders, especially if you're getting like strips. Well, or- the open dimes are purposely shaped so you can use your nature's pocket. He rounded he rounded <laughs> the edges supposedly so that that it wouldn't scrape you up. Yeah, thank you, uh, Rodolfo, <laughs> for for thinking of that user experience. Really thinking through the user experience on that product. Um, yeah, I think Loom Darts joked about that before. I think I've seen him do that. You cannot stick a treasure up there. That would not feel well. No, yeah, exactly. A ledger could possibly work. Ugh. Ugh. Um, Next topic. Okay, enough enough about hiding hardware wallets in your ass. On to uh, Square. They sold 10,000 Bitcoin in Q4 2018. It's pretty huge. They got uh, increasing uh, volumes month on month, quarter on quarter, it seems. Um, seems like people are using the Cash App to sack sats. I don't know if we helped out 
on the on their Q1 numbers last weekend, uh, Q1 2019 numbers. I like to think we did. I think we'll, well find out. Well, I mean, stacking sats probably didn't help, but we've been shilling the shit out of Cash App for like such a long time now. I mean, since I got on the pod, we uh, were shilling it, and then I was shilling it on Twitter before then. You were shilling it on the pod before I got on. Like we've been shilling this a yeah, long time. What's well, a really good product i'm gonna shill it and it makes buying bitcoin easy you can send it off the exchange right away um yes they have shut down and that's the other thing i've had actually had this conversation with somebody uh earlier this week parker lewis on a phone call and it's another thing people have to realize square is a regulated business and if people are using their app to do what is deemed by the eyes of the law uh sketchy and they have to shut down your account, they will. Uh, that doesn't mean that Bitcoin doesn't work. You, if you're doing sketchy stuff, don't do it on the Cash I mean, App. Do it, do it from your Regardless trailer. of what you do after the Cash App, you should always withdraw to Wasabi first, then mix exactly. it, and then continue on. So then, you know, then, then no one, both of you don't care about the other after that point. Cash, exactly. you know, cash App doesn't um, want to know what you're doing. Maybe that's a feature we can ask for. Auto wasabi yeah, before you send the coins out. No, if, if they yeah, do it defeats the purpose, then they're like facilitating it. You gotta just—they'll never tell you to do it. <laughs> We're here to tell you to do it, and then everyone wins. That's true. Um, but this chart is fucking no, another, dope. It just goes up. It's like my favorite type of chart. Yeah. Somebody—I don't know if it's on Twitter where I saw it, but like somebody put a parabolic drive on the uh, on the tip of the uh, chart. Yeah, I saw that. That was dope. It's the brought back some the best kind of because the chart does look parabolic. <laughs> uh, um, and uh, Square in the news again. It looks like they just reappl- reapplied, I believe, for a banking license. So it looks like they're moving forward uh, to try to become a leg- legitimate bank as well, which is actually brings up an interesting topic: Are banks bad, or is uh, the the unsound money that banks are built on? Uh, the core of the problem matt what are your thoughts what are your thoughts marty i think there are potential to be good banks in the future um it just depends on what the services you ask for with that being said uh we do have the ability to be your own bank now that is why bitcoin is a thing um i don't know I go back and forth. Like, do do you want? It, it comes down to the question of do you want all the risk uh, in house, or do you want to do you want to uh, spread some of that risk to a third party and then also leverage services that they offer? I could see myself being open to that in the future. I don't know about right now. I think it's a little too early, but uh, no, it's definitely something you have to weigh. And I think there could be a place for for ethical, uh, good Bitcoin banks in the future. I think banks aren't bad necessarily, but like big banks are bad. Like they have yes. like that chart of, of the banks in America yeah. where it just consolidates. Consol- yeah. That's, we'll, we'll share a link to that chart. That is a scary chart, like showing how, especially after like 08, 09, yeah. like just like everybody after, after everybody failed and consolidating their portfolio. And then the big ones got bailed out and then they gobble, gobble, gobble. Yeah. And then, yeah, um, how, I guess this is a good thought experiment, or get into a thought experiment. Like, how do we avoid that going future, going into the future with Bitcoin banks? Well, part of the reason is because 
of a lot of the regulation towards the banking sector, like distant, it like it hurts. It's it's worse for smaller banks proportionally because the the fees and stuff that they have to take care of all of that yeah. that mess. So the bit license is a perfect example of an unnecessary barrier to entry, entry that would uh, sort of inhibit the proliferation of many Bitcoin banks in New York State in particular. Um, so yeah, maybe regulation, uh, regulatory hurdles are are the biggest uh, sort of biggest thing holding these these banks back. But do you think we'll really or would you be? think we'll really have like Bitcoin banks like in a, like a post Bitcoin world? Like I don't know. I don't know. I can imagine it. I mean, I can imagine it because that's the way I've grown up my whole life is interacting with the bank and maybe envisioning a future without one is hard. I was thinking maybe like, like small local banks that do like yeah lending and stuff, like things banks do. Yeah, I mean, this is, let's just to be real. Like there's going to be lending. There's going to be people taking out loans. There's going to be levels of debt in the future. It's just, you're not going to be able to, to base your money supply off of debt uh, in a Bitcoin world, I, but it does no, it does start, it does start this interesting conversation. Like, what does a potential banking world look like in the future, uh, and is there even one? Like, are we going to be our own banks? Is the meme going to come into reality? Uh, will the UX get to a point where everybody will be able to feel uh, comfortable being their own bank? Maybe. I hope so. That would be chill. I mean, but like fractional reserve banking is fucked, right? Yeah. Yeah. And the banks in the future that I, that I envision when I'm thinking about this, they'll just be offering services uh, that that lever- that allow you to leverage your Bitcoin to uh, do other stuff. Because if fractional reserve banks are I, fucked, like there's no way like the current crop of banks can survive that switch over, right? Switch over to full capitalization. Like if there's like a run on the bank no. scenario, which is like kind of oh, inevitable, no right? Eventually, it's it's just like an it's like a a when not if. I don't know if it's going to be a, a bank run per se, but uh, I think there could be a collapse of confidence. I don't think people are going to be running uh, to to ATMs, but oh yeah, no, I don't mean like. Yeah, bank runs the wrong word. I mean, like, over time, if you can store your money, your wealth in a uh, fixed supply asset that's that's uh, like a harder money that you can custody yourself, why would you store money in a fractional reserve bank? That's a good question, Matt. I don't know why you would. Yeah. So, like, slowly Actually, there'd be like a slow I... bank runish that would like heat up. You know what I mean? Like over time. Well, this is uh, this speculative attack. Yeah, that's like what you're specul- Yeah, there you go. That's the word. Term. Yeah. So that's what. It, so if you haven't checked out Pierre Richard's incredible 2014 article on uh, a speculative attack, definitely go check that out at the Nakamoto Institute dot org. Um, Incredible piece, but yeah, so a speculative attack is basically a tipping point when people realize that Bitcoin is harder money and they start taking loans out in fiat currency to buy more Bitcoin. Oh, right. I love that. I love that piece. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, that speculative attack, that could be possible, but 
But again, even in a speculative attack, again, it goes back to the underlying asset of what these banks are are operating on. So the argument for Bitcoin banks is like, hey, not all banks are bad. It's the the fractional or reserve nature of them, and then the the underlying currency that they're built on. Uh, if you're if you're building a bank on a sound money, Bitcoin, which is auditable at any m- moment, uh, it doesn't allow the bank to take on as much risk as uh, the bank, <laughs> the current banking system has, and that is arguably what has allowed our banking system to become so concentrated is they've taken so much risk um, that they sort of had to socialize uh, the losses and consolidate. And we got into this um, topic because of Square. Um, yeah. You know, I for the this is all like long-term talk that we were just having. In the short term, like we're still going to need fiat. We're going to need fiat connections. Square's like probably the most likely to to be uh, like the first debit card that that really actually works if they if they mm-hmm. start allowing deposits into their right now deposits are still not enabled and I'm guessing that's why because they don't want to build like a wall between your sold Bitcoin and the debit card but at the same time they they can't give you debit card access um, and the main thing stopping all the debit card access is regulations and stuff it's just like ridiculous hurdle. So if anyone can do it, it's right. probably Square, uh, and and you know, like I said, you, they're they're a custodial wallet. You shouldn't keep large amounts of money on them. You should just immediately withdraw, withdraw through Sabi, right? And mm-hmm. uh, they're a nice. Right now, they're a nice on ramp, and in the future, they might be a nice way to spend Bitcoin if you wanted to. True. Um, no, I, I really like that discussion on potential future Bitcoin banks. We'll have to dive into that in further detail in the future. Maybe like, am I ever going to interview again? Or are we always just going to do rabbit hole recaps? Are we ever just going to expound upon, uh, non-topical stuff? Who are you ever going inter- to get caught- interview me again? Inter- yeah. No, do we? I want to get caught. I give, we can do it. We can get- do it. I'm always, I'm always happy to. I want to. I want to get cosmic with you. I feel like we don't get to get as cosmic uh, on this topical shit. We just don't do it on the air. It's true. Um, next one, Coinomi spell check bug. This is so brutal. This one really hurt. I never. I've. Ne- I've. Ne- this is a shitcoin wallet, right? It's like the um, best some- shitcoin wallet, though. Yeah. So somebody got sixty grand ganked, right? Uh, supposedly, yeah. Yeah, so so Coinomi, for you freaks that don't know, it's a wallet, uh, and it uh, basically came to the fore this week that uh, you can the wallet software has a spell check feature where it's looking to see if your seed phrase words are spelled incorrectly or correctly, and that just so happens to be uh, released in the logs if you're if you're following along uh, via keystroke. It it um, was it was so so for the longest time, Coinomi was Android only. And then they released mm-hmm. on iPhone. And the iPhone wallet space isn't that good. It's, you know, Apple had banned wallets for like the longest time. And um, they were like one of the better iPhone wallets. And then they recently released a, a, a computer wallet, a desktop wallet. Yes, it's a desktop right. wallet. And it, yes. and it didn't even, it wasn't even just like their own spell check. It's sent to Google spell check. So it went... So they're sending seed free. Oh, so that was the other thing. So this guy is claiming that somebody from Google 
stole his uh, stole his crypto. I mean, it, yeah, it went to Google servers. It was encrypted in uh, with just you know HTTPS or whatever SSL. Uh, they that's just really bad. But I so maybe someone who had access to Google servers, maybe someone in between, maybe his computer was you know like he's. Oh, the other thing is, like, it's only if... I'm not trying to victim blame here. Like, Koinomi, like, can go fuck themselves. Like, you should probably never use that wallet unless you're in a pinch. Uh, Because they handled it really well afterwards. Handled it really horribly afterwards. But um, it was only if you were recovering your seed phrase. So when you're entering your seed phrase on a computer... Uh, there's plenty, there, he could add a key logger or something that pulled it. There could have been other things that did it. Uh, he was Koinomi's closed source. The seed was from Exodus, which is, uh, another multi-coin wallet yeah. on the computer. So he, that's also closed source. He had that installed on his computer. Who knows what other crypto stuff he had installed on his computer. Um, so it's not sure if, if that's where he lost it, but either way, like Koinomi should, should Give him some money for give him his you know the money he lost because he found the bug, and uh, they should say we're sorry and that they really fucked up and like admit that they were wrong. They've supposedly fixed it on the desktop wallet. The phone never had the the issue to begin with, and uh, but they should have you know t- taken the blame. But it is a it is a coal it is a closed source hot wallet. So regardless. You shouldn't like the guys like I lost my life savings. You shouldn't have your life savings on Exodus or Konomi. You sh- yeah, that's stupid. Yeah, it's a hot wallet. Like this is why. Like at least use a hardware wallet, and really you should be doing cold storage. Yeah, not a hardware wallet. Use like three or four. Like yeah, exactly. Diversify your risk. Diversify your risk. Freaks. Well, now multi sig is more accessible, right? So that's good. Yeah, no, nah, that's really. I can't wait to test that product out. Um, that's, I mean, talk about UX improvement. That's just, that's a, that's a level up right there. Shout out Casa again. Um, other hardware, while we're on the topic of a hardware wallet, Trezor and Ledger update reminders, reminder to update your software. Is this, uh, Uh, after the demonstrations of the supply chain? Uh, yeah, well, Trezor, yeah, just updated today for the wallet.fail attacks. The update came out today. Mm -hmm. Uh, The ledger is an older update, but th- the severe the severity of the update came out, and it was like re- the and it was really bad. So just like if you haven't updated yet, like that was a couple months ago, like make sure you update that before you do anything else. Yeah, if you have a treasure or ledger out there, make sure you update. Uh, make sure you have your seeds backed up beforehand. Uh, make sure you check off the box. Is there like a a checklist we can provide the freaks of what you should do before updating or? Porting funds from a from a hardware. Well, wallet. always make sure your seed is good. Yeah. Um. You know, I I would would want to look into it more before I gave any uh, hard rules. Uh, mm-hmm. The just make sure you don't do it haphazardly. Like watch all the steps as you do it. I'm like updating hardware wallets for me still is like a little bit questionable because. It's stressful. No, because it's not even stressful. Like the authorization process for it. Like I wish I could easily. Like the 
the regular update process doesn't let you like confirm that you're getting the right software or, or that it's secure or whatnot. So actually what I like to do is yeah. is when an update comes out, like I wait a little bit just to see if anyone else has any okay. issues. But I, I, I think we can make it... Are we giving conflicting advice here? We can make it better. Well, the Trezor, before you use them, you should definitely update them. Okay. Um, the Trezor update has like... They, they have... The my yeah I just when I update I always um, I always you know you don't it just eh, I don't know yeah we'll get you some hardcore update advice in the future something we'll think on um, I'm like trying to remember the, the last time I updated my treasure it was. You know, you have to like you put it into the firmware open mode and you're like on their you're on their website. And like I don't keep that much money on hardware wallets, so I've never looked into like how do I manually um verify the signature of the download or anything like that, but it doesn't see like I feel like a regular user should be able to confirm exactly what update is coming in, maybe like confirm a hash on like four different things that shows on the device or something like that. Like there's a lot mm-hmm. of issues still with like the actual update process. It's another UX, uh, UX pain point, uh, to think about, but that's why we test these things out. That's why we use them. That's why we have people like you who have crazy, uh, adversarial mindset to, to point these things out. But the important thing is just make sure you have your seed written down when you update. Yeah, make sure you have your seed. Make sure you have it close. Um, do not lose that. Uh, and, and one tip I like, on the... one trick I like is you get a second hardware wallet, right? And you activate it with the same exact seed. And then that way, not only do you have your backed up seed, you know, you have like a backed up hardware wallet that's still like activated on that seed and everything. It makes you feel a lot more comfortable. Never heard that one. I like. Yeah, that. it's like what sixty dollars more, eighty dollars more, whatever it is, worth it. But does that expose you to more uh, meat space risk? Uh, well, I mean, if you stored them, it's by having. If you store them in the same place, then it's exactly the same, That's right? True. And then That's if you want to store them in yeah. different places, then that would expose. That would make it a little it, riskier. But right? it also, if like one place burns down, then you still have your, you know. Your treasure, your ledger. You shouldn't have your so the, your seed and your treasure together if, if you, in your house if it's burning. Yeah, down don't there. keep your. Yeah, you shouldn't keep them together. There's a <laughs> lot of tips. There's like you gotta you gotta really think on it, man. You gotta get a nice bottle of whiskey and get really paranoid, and but not too paranoid because <laughs> a lot of people lose their own shit. So don't go too crazy. You're just reasonably yeah, crazy. Yeah, right. With some elaborate scheme. Yeah, don't do too elaborate. Don't, get t- don't you know. Don't go yeah. too crazy. Um, staying on the wallet tip, software wallet, Samurai Whirlpool in the testing phase. It's running on one of our favorite hardware nodes, Noddle. Um, so the Noddle guys are testing out Whirlpool. You are our resident expert uh, coin join. A resident coin join expert, excuse me. Well, uh, what does this mean, Matt? So Whirlpool is Samurai's... Uh, is Samurai's version of wasabi right the zero link framework that they worked on together mm-hmm. 
so it's a it's another coin join implementation i think their intention is to both run it on mobile and uh like run it on the dojo which is their uh node in a box hardware wallet um the big the big difference is that they want to it's going to be like a maker taker model like join market is so you can if you provide liquidity to the system you get paid you get you get a fee from all the coin joins that are done so presumably it will mean that there'll be more liquidity uh there'll be more people constantly putting coins in because they'll want to get paid for it yeah, I once heard a very wise man say privacy loves company. Um, so just another avenue through which to, to make this type of privacy easier. Again, UX is the theme, uh, making uh, Whirlpool or excuse me, CoinJoin UX easier via Whirlpool. Um, shout out to Samurai for pushing that ball forward. And then the other- what do you think? Do you think it is it is what uh, from a cost perspective? What's it like? Do you think it's going to be manageable? What do you mean? Is it is it come with like a obvious will come with increased fees for those oh, transactions? I, Whirlpool transactions. I, I don't know what the fee structure is going to be. If it's anything like Join Market, mm-hmm. the people providing liquidity will set the prices, and it'll be like a market situation. The more liquidity, the cheaper okay. the prices. People will drive it down. Uh, mm-hmm. I think you know it's hard to put a cost on privacy, but it'll probably be pretty negligible. It's going to have to go. Wasabi's fee is, I think, like 0.003% per anonymity set. So, like, the more times you run it, the, you know, your fee goes up a little bit. But it's a negligible fee. It's, like, it's basically nothing. So, if they're, if they're not... Originally, I thought they were going to share liquidity pools, but it looks like they're not going to share the same liquidity pool, but they'll look similar in the transactions. If they have to... They're technically like anyone who wants to mix coins is going to decide between Wasabi or uh, Whirlpool most likely, or I guess Join Market. But I, I think the UX issues Join Market has, you probably won't see it there. So it's going to drive the fees down on Whirlpool to like a Wasabi level. So it'll be probably negligible regardless. Um, but it's good to see awesome. more options out there, you know. True. Yeah. Um and that's why we have you, our resident privacy expert, and staying on. Uh... And what, what's nice is they also they're testing Tor support on the Samurai wallet. The Samurai wallet already has Tor support, uh, mm-hmm. but it requires a separate app. Um, okay. They're they're testing right now having it completely integrated into the app, so you just run the app and it automatically uses Tor and connects to your Dojo through Tor, and then that's a prerequisite for them to be able to run Whirlpool on your phone. So you'd be able to have like in a mobile wallet, just like constantly like mixing your funds and getting paid for it. If you provide liquidity, like that's pretty fucking cool. So do you see this becoming like a, like a more popular wallet type, like an industry leader, like where people will actually prefer like the Wasabi because of the privacy via tour and then the potential to make fees via Whirlpool. Like what I'm trying to get at here is like like a beautyonism of basically make it the way Samurai is, and everybody will have to raise up to your level and just naturally have uh, these privacy 
functionality is embedded. Well, I mean, I think Samurai is already the best mobile wallet on Android uh, on Android or iOS, and uh, but it's not on iOS yet, right? So like that's the yeah, first step was... for their mobile domination. Like, if anything's made me want to buy an Android, it's Samurai. Like, I've seriously oh, contemplated. Oh, I forget it. you don't you don't get to use Samurai. Samurai is fucking awesome. I used. Um, I know they. I get them free shields. I've never used it. Uh, does that make me? Does it make me a useful idiot? No, you know you're you know you're selling a good product because because we vouch for it. Yeah, I trust you. I I, I allocate some trust to you. For I that. uh. Was we were talking about the UX around replaced by fee uh, transactions. Mm-hmm. And I was using Samurai yesterday and someone sent me uh it, it was Crypto Brecky sent me the transaction through Gotenna, the test transaction mm-hmm. through Gotenna, and he used a one Satoshi uh per byte fee, fee? like a no fee. And it was just sitting there for like four hours, just like unconfirmed. And I clicked it. Well, I actually saw... Because I was looking at it, and they have built-in child pays for parent. And it says boost transaction on the bottom. I clicked it. I had no funds in my wallet. I clicked it. It said, what fee do you want to do? And I pressed confirm, and it sent out a little child transaction from his funds coming in, his unconfirmed funds coming in, and it confirmed like the next block. That's pretty crazy. Talk about UX. Holy shit. The UX was fucking fantastic. It was super it was super yeah. simple. Yeah, and I sorry I was interrupting you there a little bit. I just wanted to bring to light like I, I noticed that the Bitcoin unconfirmed transaction bots been going off a little bit. It seems like more recently I've seen more like fifteen thousand transactions in the mempool um situations. Um not terribly high, but uh mempool mempool is getting a little bit uh a little bit busier than than it has been in the past few months or past six months in particular it's getting a little bit frothy getting frothy in there sign at the bottom we don't know we don't try to predict price here well i um, i noticed there was like a big transaction spike after uh after like luke's 300 <laughs> kilobyte proposal like started to get a little bit more steam again so I thought yeah. I was like a little yeah. bit tin tinfoily about that. The other funny thing is BitMEX does their withdrawals at, at 9 a.m. Eastern every day. So like mm-hmm. the worst time to send a transaction is between like 9 and 11 a.m. Because they just <laughs> overload the mempool. It's fucking, it's fucking pretty crazy. It's pretty crazy that we can know it's them. Right, that's the beauty of Bitcoin. Part of the well, I mean, of and they also say like we are processing withdrawals at this time every day. It's like it's like yeah, their shtick. But it's a good shtick to have. It's a very smart way to do withdrawals um, once a day. I think that's that decreases the attack surface significantly. Um, next topic here: tweet stamp. I saw you. <laughs> I saw you tagging these guys in a bunch of tweets of people making bold predictions. Uses open time stance. How's it different from open time stance? That's something I don't. Uh, did open time stance sort of wind down a little bit with their Twitter bot? Yeah, just the Twitter bot like kept. I think it kept getting suspended. OTS proof. Uh, yeah, I think it kept getting suspended, and 
it was only for I don't think you could reply to someone in OTS proof about them, right? It had to be in your own tweet. I can't uh, Oh no, speak no, no. You had to reply. You had to reply. It was like the same idea, but but they they all got suspended and I like the name tweet stamp. And they have a good tweet underscore stamp. Yeah, they have a nice interface. And and it says explain the service for all the freaks that don't know what it is out there. You can basically It's like tag this bot. Yeah, you archive it and they hash it and then they put it in the Bitcoin blockchain. So and then they give you they give you a site for it. So you have a link that you can go and see the link. It's like archive dot uh, is or dot org or whatever. Boss. It just let's go check it out. We'll put a we'll put their their link in in the bio of this. Episode. But like instead of archiving someone's whatever take, if you don't want them to delete it, you you can just go at tweet stamp stamp. And then it just creates an archive link and then hashes it into the in the into the chain. Eternity. That's pretty fucking cool. Yeah. Yeah, people thousands from years right from now will will look into the Bitcoin blockchain and, and see Matt O'Dell uh embedding tweets of bad takes into the Bitcoin blockchain. It's beautiful. Um you're not actually embedding tweets into the blockchain here. No, it's just a hash. It's Hashing. just a hash. It's just like yeah, it's just a hash. It's proof yeah. of existence that it existed. Exa- if you if you exactly. take it, if you take the content of the tweet and run it through the same hashing algorithm, you'll get the same result. So you can prove that that exactly. existed at that at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, That's pretty cool. Very cool. Very cool. Uh, last door. Nope. We got three more topics here. Uh, torpedo vulnerability affects all four major U.S. carriers. While stingrays to be effective against newer phones in determining location, phone identifier, and potentially intercepting calls and texts. This is a story out of TechCrunch earlier this week uh, about security flaws in new 4G and 5G uh, services that proclaim to be uh, immune to certain stingray attacks. And stingray attacks are basically the mobile. Uh, what do you? What would they're you like, call them? Cops use them. They put them like on the back of the cars towers. track cell phones. They're yeah. like fake cell towers, yeah. and they like dupe your phone into into giving up its location and its and its and metadata. Yeah, the, the the identity of the of phone, cops. calls, texts. This became popular, uh, like or not popular, but uh, entered the. Uh, public consciousness, consciousness, excuse me, during the Ferguson riots, I believe, because uh, the cops and the riot police uh, had Stingray machines on the back of their cars and were able to sort of see what these protesters were doing and react in a way. So that's just an example of uh, sort of Orwellian overstep, I would argue, uh, from law enforcement in particular. And it seems we thought we were going to get some... uh, some, comfort in 4g and 5g knowing that uh our information was not vulnerable to these attacks but it looks like they will be which isn't shocking are you shocked about this no no no. i already assumed they could do it but they said it was for 200 dollars too which is like pretty crazy um i you should use like in you know encrypted chat apps and stuff don't use text it's basically like a postcard um you know like signal you can do phone calls uh you know telegrams 
encryption is questionable, but but it's better than a text message or a phone call. You go to protests or something, you know, anywhere that you don't want to be, you know, you pull out your, you turn, you can't even pull out your battery anymore. You turn off your phone, I guess, and just pray. Just leave it at home. Just throw it in the trash yeah, and start Leave running. it at home. Leave your phone at home. Maybe have like <laughs> a, a prepaid. Yeah. No, it's fucked that they can do this. Um, I don't even know how we can like talk about getting around this because I have no idea how you would do it. Well, like I've noticed um, it. So like you notice it in New York, you see it a lot, but it's like in like major events, you know, baseball games, US yes. Open, stuff like yes. that. Uh, like the train stations in those kind of locations, protests, like we said, that's where they use them. Uh, so, you know, I mean, you should probably just operate under the assumption that they can track the location of your phone at any time. The problem with Stingrays is that, like, it's not just the government or Google that could do it, you know. You could have, if you can do it off-the-shelf parts for 200 bucks or 300 bucks. that's not great. Yeah, so yeah, so that... So that's what this this article revealed is that uh, any nefarious actor with access to the parts to make the stingray can do it for like you said two hundred dollars, which is a pretty low uh, price point for for this type of spying material. Nope, not great. Just assume it. Just be aware. Yeah, very good segue topic to our next one. A new privacy wiki uh, came out recently by this dude Chris Belcher. He just dropped it out of nowhere. And it's pretty. It's one of the most thorough uh, pieces I've read on Bitcoin privacy to date. It's en.bitcoin.it slash wiki slash privacy. We'll obviously put the link in the show notes, but uh, one of a single location where you can go how, how to operate with complete privacy in Bitcoin. It's very hard work, but <laughs> the instructions are there. Got it. I've got it. I got to have a domain redirect for that uh, for that URL. To have you uh, have you gotten through the whole thing? It's no, so it's long. really long. It's it really long. It. It's a great resource. You yeah. definitely should check it out. Um, yeah, check that out. And what is this? Uh, Bolt is Lightning Conference. We need more of this. I and less seen it. Physical conferences. It's a virtual conference. What is it? It's a virtual conference. Pierre's going to be speaking in it. Uh, Lightning Koala is going to be speaking in it. I think Jeremy Welch is speaking. Uh, it's like. Ten dollars to view, so like anyone around the world. This can is so view smart. It. Whoever thought about this is. Oh, so and they smart. only accept Lightning, but uh, only they Lightning. use Alex Bosworth's uh, submarine swap tool, so you can pay Bitcoin on chain and they receive Lightning. Really, that's pretty badass. That's pretty badass. I was getting uh, I was getting a uh, secondhand story about using Alex Bosworth's submarine swaps and it's it's like crazy it works it works apparently which is incredible rusty russell's speaking alex is speaking rockstar dev is speaking yeah actually rusty russell um now you mentioned him earlier we were talking about cold storage he's got probably another you want to talk about thorough cold storage guide rusty russell's uh unremarkable or is it unremarkable or unreliable? It might be unreliable. Um, guide to cold storage. It's a little cheeky, cheeky uh, title for that for that uh, explainer in particular. I really, 
I really like uh, Tails. Uh, the Tails OS built-in Electrum for cold storage. Either you and you do multi-sig if you want to do warmish, multi-sig hardware wallet, and if you want to do cold storage, you just literally just make a seed. You could do you could do multi-sig cold storage. You make a bunch of seeds, and yeah, yeah, and you plant them around. That is true. Well, that was the last of the topics. Do you have anything else you want to chat about? Got any? Got any fun plans tonight in San Francisco? It's early by you, right? It's uh, still... Yeah, it's six- only 4.30. Oh, yeah, 4.30. I read my watch wrong. That's good. I think I'm going to try to get to a, to a spot to see the sunset, see a West Coast sunset. Hopefully the uh, the sun, or the, excuse me, the clouds don't ruin that. But uh, nothing crazy. I'm going to get dinner, rest up. Big day tomorrow, obviously. You, you um, said you walked to the apartment, right? Yeah, I walked. I walked there. I walked around this beautiful part did of San you, Francisco. I walked in the wrong direction. Did, door. I, did so you see any human shit first. on the sidewalk? No human shit. Saw a lot, lot of dog <laughs> shit. Um, I, exi- I accidentally, I stayed in a hotel last night and accidentally booked in the Tenderloin District. So I, I got a firsthand uh, experience of of the, the problems that plague the city uh, that are that are popular on Twitter in particular. Um, but yeah, so I came here and apparently Sprint doesn't have any service in San Francisco. So I literally have not had access to my phone unless I'm on Wi-Fi, And that led to me walking in the wrong direction for like 30 minutes earlier today. And, uh, it was, it was a good, good scenario getting lost though. Good play, good city to get lost in. A lot of hills though. Wait, do you said you use Sprint? Yeah. Wow. I haven't, I haven't, wow. I didn't know people still use Sprint. Yeah, yeah, we're still we're still holding <laughs> out. Uh, I'm actually getting kicked off the family plan soon, um, but yeah, I've been a big Sprint family our whole lives. I just checked back for you to see if they were a four major U.S. operator, but you are affected by the story as well. God. Well, luckily, I don't have any four G or five G running on my phone right now, so I am excited. No opportunity. I'm yet. excited to listen to the Jack episode. I wish you the best of luck with that tomorrow. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Um, say hi, say hi to Miles for me, and uh, stay humble and stack sats. Stack sats, baby. I think we'll end it on that. Peace and love, freaks. Bye-bye.